Hello, and welcome to Camp Scary and Squee, a podcast that tests my theory that every horror movie exists on a scale of divine camp to pure terror. I'm your host, Damien O'Mara, and my guest today loves her horrors to come with strong mystery and intrigue, a solid investigation by rational protagonists, and a consistent mythology for evil because it has to make sense. Welcome, Nyari. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me, Damien. I'm very excited to be here. Well, to get us started, a bit of an icebreaker, what has been haunting you this week? I've been haunting myself this week. So my future self, you know, 10 years in the future, has been haunting me, giving me advice, (laughs) telling me that I need to exercise more and, you know, be a bit more selfish. So yeah, that kind of thing. I like that. Be a bit more selfish. Your 10 year self tell, telling you to seize the moment and do things for you. Yeah, absolutely. I think I kind of think, oh, that's just for me. It's not that important. Oh, that's just to decorate my wall. That's not important. So yeah, I definitely need to change that. <laughs> this is a, it's a good kind of haunting. I'm enjoying it. I think we all need that kind of haunting. Someone reminding us to, to be a bit, you know, I mean, it sounds terrible to say, but being a bit selfish is a good thing. Yeah, that's what I, that's what my mom was telling me literally just yesterday. <laughs> you know, that sometimes if you put all your eggs in other baskets and not yourself, then, you know, if other things don't work out, at least, you know, you've got, you've invested in yourself as well. So I need to do a lot more work on that. I think it's good advice. Thanks, mom. <laughs> uh, and I want to hand over the honors to you to tell us what film we will be discussing today. This film that I've picked is um often in the Dentata came out in 2007 um and it's about a young lady who discovers that she has teeth in her vagina well (laughs) some quick stats before we talk about it so uh as you said released in 2007 it's written and directed by Mitchell Lichtenstein uh it stars Jess Wixler John Hensley Josh Pace Hale Appleman Ashley Springer and Lenny Von Dolan uh, the film grossed $2.3 million on a $2 million budget, so it did not make a lot of money. Uh, it made its money back, which is, you know, more that can be said for some films. And IMDb describes Teeth as, Still a stranger to her own body, a high school student discovers she has a physical advantage when she becomes the object of male violence. And a quick content warning that this We'll talk about this film, and this does include discussions of rape in the context of the film, and also a spoiler warning because we're about to talk about what happens. So we were talking about this the other day, and you said that this is a film that everyone should see. So what about it makes you sort of feel that? What makes you think people should see this film? Well, I think the concept in itself is horrifying and satisfying because I remember when it came out – it was around the time I was hearing a lot about United Nations peacekeepers, you know, raping refugees and, um, you know, trading sexual favors uh, for, you know, to give them food rations. And so when this came out, I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, the landscape of the world would completely change if women had vaginal dentata. And it really kind of flips the script, I think, on um, sexual violence. Because a lot of the times in so many horror films, you see, you know, women being attacked, being raped. Men get get attacked as well. But that kind of 
sexual violence being directed also at men is something you don't see a lot in um, cinema. So mm, no. I think it's definitely a very interesting um, film, a very interesting concept that I really wish they had like, you know, teeth to, to you know, explore it even further. It's something I found interesting in my research on this film. I went and had a look at the Rotten Tomatoes references and it, it has a very, um, sorry, Rotten Tomatoes reviews, and it has a really high rating when it comes to the critical acclaim. But when you look at the ordinary punter, because they do those two separate reviews, it's about mm-hmm. 50%. And when you look at it, you've got one stars and five stars and nothing in between. And, you know, I, I got to kind of throw it out there. There were a lot of men that were like, how dare they? And it's it's something I find so interesting because women have been in horror, like, sexual women showing sexuality is part of those unwritten rules that if you show sexuality you die and you know women have been in in the cinema and in the film industry as a kind of trope are often punished for their their sexuality and this film as you said flips it on its head it flips the script it puts women in a position of power that they've not been awarded in in the film like in any genre that i'm aware of before and to see this kind of, it's not a backlash because you could see it really was polarizing, but to see these people really react badly to it, it's like. I made a point of not looking at any of the reviews or anything before this podcast, but I I watched this again um, with my partner and I do think um, that there's a very different reaction depending on whether you're looking at it from a female perspective or a male perspective. and. You know, I think that it would be even more horrifying if you're a male looking at this and thinking of, oh my goodness, you know, a universe where you could literally lose your penis and die for, you know, not because you're rapey, but, you know, making it the wrong sexual move, it it would be potentially horrifying. And whereas for me as a woman, I'm like, yeah, finally you get that, you know, like it's, 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 so many different ways of looking at it and you know you can't I don't blame anyone for like feeling triggered but I do think it's definitely a conversation with having as to why you're triggered and potentially are you triggered by the Tata or are you being triggered by her being a victim in some situations you know these are really interesting concept, concepts to explore well We'll get into talking about the plot of the movie, and this will hopefully be something that we can explore further as we talk about what what happens. It's an interesting interesting opening scene. Um, we have this very long panning shot from very high up, and you see this power plant, which is really prominent throughout the entire film, and possibly is something that we'll we'll talk about as we we talk about the ideas of mutations and evolution. Yeah, but you come to. Dawn and her brother, and I'm going to forget his name already. Is it Brad? Uh, yeah, it's Brad. Yeah, it is Brad. Dawn and Brad are, as children, in a kiddie pool, not getting along very well, but then there's a bit of a you show me yours, I'll show you mine kind of children thing going on. And Brad gets his finger bitten. Uh, <laughs> like, what does that bring out for you as like an opening scene Considering how much we know going in, like we we know that this is a film about vaginity. Honestly, I think that was 
probably the the least concerning scene. But you know that whole idea of you know abuse can start at a at a very early age, and you know she probably wasn't aware of what had happened. He probably wasn't aware of what had happened as well. I think on, on that level. But then was there like a kind of stalemate that they then had throughout like their years growing up after that incident that, you know, she is off limits because of of that. You mm. really have to wonder, like, what did he think happened? And of course, you know, he probably can't tell anyone what happened because that would expose him as well. So. Well, and who would believe him? Yeah, you're making this up. Yeah. So I think it's ready to say, oh, she bit me with her. Or her, her mouth teeth. What do you call mouth teeth? <laughs> <laughs> mouth dentata. <laughs> With her teeth teeth. Teeth teeth, yeah. And so we move from here and it cuts to kind of what we'll call present day Dawn as a, I assume she's what, like 16, 17 years old? And yeah. clearly the actress is older because of the subject matter. Um, and she's presenting at to a group of young people about the promise and (laughs) this i find really interesting and perhaps i was just a very different teenager but if these people showed up and were like hey let's talk about the promise i would not have been able to tell them to fuck off faster no i think that we're very different i think that's why i wanted this this is one of my favorite films because i grew up in the church I have been to abstinence talks. We didn't get rings. We had to like sign a little contract with God or some nonsense like that. And you know how this is like the most precious gift you give your husband. So everything that was happening, I was like, oh my gosh, been there, done that. And I always found it, I found like one of the scenes so hilarious because while she's talking, you know, all the white kids are looking so attentively at her. And if you go back and watch it, there's this little black girl with her arms crossed, like with her <laughs> neck cocked, like what the hell is going on? Um, so yeah, I, I I've been there, and you know, just trying to like, you know, and especially when I became more sexual, just trying to rationalize my upbringing with, you know, who I was becoming, and going through the whole, oh, am I wrong? Is this natural? Do I still love God? So yeah, I found that whole. Um, that whole aspect of it hilarious. The modest clothes, wearing a t-shirt under a tank top, because, you know, <laughs> heaven forbid, <laughs> had me dying for days. It was so funny. But that <laughs> language as well is like that she uses, referring to everything as a gift and it's precious, and you don't just give your gift to anyone. And it's it's insidious in that like there is some kind of you do want to talk to people about agency and being able to make decisions but they kind of take the power away from them it becomes very like you have something that people want to take from you and it for i think everyone in that room regardless of male or female or wherever in between they it begins this kind of binary conversation of of you know women have this thing that men will eventually take Oh, absolutely. And that whole kind of, you know, the value judgment that, you know, if you've now lost your gift, you're no longer as valuable to someone you want to have a relationship with. Because what do you have to give now when you've already given up your best gift? It's, it's a horrible narrative that a lot of people have had to really, you know, try to detox from. It's awful. It's 
so like a slightly personal perspective for me, like I grew up in a very Catholic kind of uh, household. And so there was talk of things like abstinence, but I was also the gayest child you've ever met. And so that kind of talk, like in my head, I was like, I've got a bigger thing to deal with. And so this stuff is happening <laughs> and I'm going like, Oh, I understand you're having that conversation, but that's not even on my radar. Yet. <laughs> I've got like, not to say that it's bigger, but you know, I was, there was another hurdle I had to overcome before that conversation was relevant to me. <laughs> uh, it's so funny. There's this like line in the movie where the past is speaking in the background and it was like, oh, you know, you know, even um, masturbation is wrong. You know, there are no loopholes. There's no back door. And yes. it always reminded me of that whole, like, you know, in some cultures, as long as it's anal, it's fine. You're still a virgin. You can go, you can go wear your white dress. Oh, God. Um, we do, the next up, she's off stage. It's right, he's saying there are no loopholes when she sees her friends, Alicia and Phil, who I don't know if their names are ever said in the film. I had to do some deep Googling to find out what the names of those characters were. Yeah. Um, but she also meets Toby. And immediately we've got like romantic music, but sinister romantic music almost. It's yeah. playing and there's a lot of very meaningful eye, con eye contact between these kind of mid shots getting closer and closer and closer as they cut back and forth, which I think is to signify that there's an instant attraction between these two people. Electrifying. <laughs> yes. They're both very beautiful, young people. Attraction is expected. Um, it doesn't like, immediately pick up to anything it's kind of sets it and then we go back to normal life and there's a few things we kind of learn in the next sort of coming scene so we can run through them her mum is sick uh her brother is you know dealing with some things he's very into heavy metal music not not a big deal but clearly does not feel like he belongs in his family and has rebelled i assume is an adult and living at home and and has his um you know his smoking pot and whatever and for this conservative Christian family would be a very big deal something that they're not sure how to deal with. Doesn't seem like they were worried too much about him. I didn't hear any of his parents say anything about no, his lifestyle to those. The only thing that was like the her father says, "Oh, you're, you're a blessing," and the mother says, "Both our children are blessings," and I couldn't work out their stepbrother and sister. So the parents married and it's her mother and his father but clearly have been in each other's lives for a very long time and you know view each other as mum and dad uh the next big thing we get is sex ed at school so like illustration of a, of a penis <laughs> and discussion of of that particular appendage and then they turn the page to find the vagina has been covered with a big golden sticker. <laughs> it's like one of those, like, you know, in those, those like terrible catalogs when something's on sale and it's like a big jagged <laughs> shape that says sale. It's like that, but stuck on <laughs> the picture of the vagina. And we have this really weird teacher interaction, which it was very foreign to me because I went to a public school in Australia and, like, this would just never happen. Like, our sex ed was very open. Um, and he's like, well, 
rightly the board has hidden this picture because you cannot deal with this. You're not, that's something that and it kind of creates this sense that like, it, it expands on that thing we said at the start, like the vagina is this kind of gift and like. You can't open the gift. You can't see what's inside until the right time. But it also, I, you and I, we had a very brief conversation yesterday before this. I think, and it, it's not so much the teacher, but this kind of, I almost look at the big bad as being this kind of societal attitude that they create because they're kind of creating by creating, and I think it's something that happens in the world by creating this sense that this is this huge deal and this is going to be such a a big thing to give away and we're going to hide it from you because if you see it, you're corrupted. They're kind of creating a situation where people don't know how to control themselves. Like, I think all those people should control themselves, but this situation doesn't help. Well, 100%. Like, you'll read about, you know, states, in America where, you know, parents are very religious and the, the government or in that state is also very religious and they've legislated do not teach our children about sex in schools. That's about the parents. And and then you'll then hear that, you know, Christian teenagers are more likely to ha- fall pregnant because they feel like it would be even more sinful to plan for sex or, you know, prepare and have protection ready. So it's like it adds all these layers of like I guess mind games for these poor young people trying to navigate get it and well and not ha- oh, sorry I was going to say not having those conversations about enthusiastic and repeated consent. You're right about protection. Like no one's no one's on the pill. No one's um, using condoms. Or someone does use a condom later on. It's very good to see. Um, still doesn't work out for him. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's sort of, you, I, I just watch it and I think, what did they think was going to happen? But these teenagers who have been given no tools to manage what is going on inside their body do stupid fucking things. Well, what they believe in is the blood of Jesus to fix it all. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Christians out there. <laughs> um, what I found really interesting in that scene is one of the students asked, well, how come you showed us the male um, private area and not the female? And she's like, well, it's because women are just more naturally modest. And it, it you see also that play out in like Christian circles that, you know, sometimes, you know, young men do sin in quotation marks, have sex. It's not as big a deal as when a young lady sins. I don't know why I'm calling them ladies. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> women's purity, women's gifts are seen as more important to be preserved than male gifts. <laughs> it, yeah, and it's very much holding a mirror up to sort of say, we are doing this and we're, we're creating these situations as a culture. Yeah. Uh, there, there is a building attraction between Toby and Dawn and they go to the movies. 
I that the movies was was weird when they were like even the PG thirteen will have heavy kissing. You know, yeah, it probably will. <laughs> Might be good for everyone to see that and just. I mean, they probably wouldn't have even gone to watch The Incredibles. Did you know how the um, Incredibles is a lot of uh, zoom ins on Mrs. Incredibles' body? Yes, <laughs> it would not be okay. No. <laughs> Uh, but there's like, yeah, so there's this building attraction, they go to the forest and there's really like laboring those, those slow motion camera scenes where it's clearly, she's looking at him and seeing something. And that night in bed, after seeing a scorpion on television, it's very important to note, like my note on this says fantasy wedding wank. (laughs) 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 Because she's imagining him dressed as a groom, her dressed as a bride, and, like, really getting into it. And it's, <laughs> and eventually, like, you know, his clothes disappear and so... Well, that's, that's the only context in which a fantasy would be legal, I guess, for in her mind. Yeah. That, you know, I'm actually just fantasizing about being married. This isn't me being a little horn dog, you know? But then the scorpion monster comes to her mind... <laughs> Little did she know how foreshadowing that was. <laughs> I think she always knew something was up, but didn't know exactly what. <laughs> well, and the next day we get the the locker room phone call. And before, we, we, putting aside how weird it is, while both naked and wrapped in towels to call each other in opposite locker rooms, which I think is a very odd thing to do. In the background of the men's locker room, there is a coach just standing around watching them. I totally missed that. <laughs> it's all I could see. I was just like, why is that man watching these people undress? I don't remember what teen movie it was where the coach's office like overlooked the locker rooms, and I was like, what a weird place to have his office. <laughs> what I want to know is, is that just a thing in movies or is that what America is like? Because that's very problematic. Yeah, I have no idea. Locker rooms should be very private places. <laughs> but they do have a, they, she calls him on, on her mobile and, or cell as I guess they would say, and they can't see each other anymore. And he's very understanding. <laughs> You're just laughing at it like this is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm laughing at it because I feel like I've been there, you know, because I can't see you anymore because the temptation is just too great. Really? So, because, so for that reason, we just need to stay away from each other. We can't, you know, try to figure out how to manage our attraction and emotions in a way that's consistent with our beliefs. So cutting off contact. God, it's such an unhealthy approach to life. <laughs> like I've had not that com- well, I've kind of had that conversation after breaking up with someone and there one or both of us has been like, you know, this if we're to remain friends, this would turn into something that we don't want it to be anymore. But to this idea of being friends and just being like, well, there are the co- I'm so I'm so into you that if we're friends, I will lose control. Everyone needs some therapy and some techniques <laughs> to manage their impulses. 
is what I'm learning about this. (laughs) But it doesn't even last that long because it's like 10 minutes later in the movie. Next minute. (laughs) Next minute. She's at the, uh, she's at, I've called it a swimming hole. Is it? Is it? I don't know. Waterfall pool that people swim in. Lake. The... (laughs) She's there and she calls him. Contaminated lake. And he he speeds there. It's like she told him she's about to die. And he's like driving his Jeep and just like zooming through this dirt road, skids to a stop. It's like, hi. I know. And it's like, you're practically, you know, the abstinence queen. And at this point, has she just like given in to her lust and you know, called him because, you know, in Christian circles, you don't meet up with a guy, just the two of you. You've got to have your brothers and sisters there as your chaperones, you know, and chaperone each other. You know, you are your brother's keeper. So here she is basically inviting him to meet her alone in a place they know is a makeup spot. But early on, they were like, it's only a makeup spot at night. It was so that- time. <laughs> So maybe that's what she convinced herself. Like, no, no, no. We just have to talk this out, just the two of us. But I think, you know, sometimes you're, you're, you're a young person. Your desires and your passions sometimes do lead you down a rabbit hole. So. Mm. She, they, she brought her swimming costume. She, they, they go for a swim and swim to the – it's like a waterfall and behind the waterfall is a kind of cave. A cave, yeah. And – there's a random blanket there that she wraps herself in, and this disturbed me. It's just like, well, no, don't, don't, don't take the blanket that you found in the cave and wrap yourself in it. That's not a good Disgusting. idea. <laughs> um, but this is the first. It's the first moment where it's kind of like everything's. It's a real turning point that she, Toby, is. I think to some degree he's interested and she's interested and they kiss, but he then takes it much further, much faster. We should say that slightly earlier, I think it's the first before they've stopped hanging, they've decided to stop hanging out. He talks about only being pure in his eyes, um, which I don't really know what that means. Ah, so there's this concept in Christian circles of being a born again virgin. So you could have been biggest slut, and then you 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 pray to God to to forgive you because you've realized the error of your ways, and then maybe the pastor or someone will pray over you, and then it's like great in the eyes of God, you are now a virgin. You're starting on a clean slate. That's what that's all about. <laughs> it's kind of like look, it's not, but it makes me think of like Catholicism and confession. Yeah. yeah. Where you sort of go in and you're like, I did these wrong things. And they're like, say 10 Hail Marys. And that's kind of your atonement for like, I don't know. They make you do it when you're really young. I can't remember Mm. any of the things I said, but I always remember the priest being like, is that it? I'm like, I'm not talking to you about my life. (laughs) I'm here because my parents brought me. Yeah. Uh, This then turns into a bit of a, no, it turns into a rape scene where she says no, she emphatically says no and he says what does he say i haven't jacked off since easter <laughs> sorry not funny but i know it's not funny but it also yeah. is like 
Like, just dude. jack off then. There's a really easy solution here. Go home. There's internet. She searches for Vajada Dentata later in this. There's internet. Go home. Google Pornhub. You'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. But alas, he, um, he kind of hits her head against the back, back of a rock. She passes out for a second and he takes this very awful opportunity to be like, right, I'm in. And in that process, Vajana Dentata activates. Yeah, and that's the sound it makes. <laughs> <laughs> and he just starts screaming and he steps back. Um, his, his dick is on the ground and he just, he's screaming and he kind of falls off back into the water and she cowers. Like, you would be terrified. Like, not, be not like, only is someone. What the hell happened? Someone's just raped you. Their, their dick has come off. I know we shouldn't laugh, but it is billed as a horror comedy. Yeah, true. And look, and to his um, credit, Appleman, that performance, like, I believed that his dick just got bitten off. And I, don't, I can't remember if that was the first really graphic one, but maybe it was the next one, but, like, you know, it was pretty graphic and actually showing yeah, no, what you, was you, left you of You see man. everything. There's blood pissing out. Quite literally. Out and it was just really visceral. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is really happening. Um, which I actually re- appreciated rather than just, you know, implied that this has happened. Um, so that was done really well. I'm trying, what happens next? Oh, she returns. Oh, she goes home and then she returns to her next purity speech because her first one was so good and so. Yeah. And has a breakdown on stage. To which the the pastor like kind of steps in because really can see something bad has happened. Doesn't counsel her in any way. Just kind of says, "Get off the stage. We'll I'll take over from here." And she um she runs into Ryan who drives her home. And and Ryan's kind of had a bit of a crush on Dawn for a while. Yeah, we see. Um, but alas, he asks her out on a date. She says no, and she returns to the cave to see a crab crawling over the penis so she has another scream uh, and it looked like the crab was humping the severed penis <laughs> well like crabs are kind of like scavengers aren't they like they eat like car- carcasses and things that fall to sure the bottom of the ocean anything, yeah. so that makes sense but after that she throws her purity ring off the cliff of course um because even if you're raped you're no longer poor uh pure don't you know this god the world's <laughs> fucked <laughs> yep <laughs> Um, and this is where we get our generic search engine of vagina mutations, where she finds vagina dentata, driving her to then go see a gynecologist. And I think this is the point where the film kind of shifts from, like, you know, there's a really long build up to the first kind of incident. And now it's just packing them all in for the, for the second half. We're just like, she's everything, everything's going to happen really quickly. And watching this scene, and I, in case you haven't guessed, have never had to go to a gynecologist. Um, but for me, like I, I have seen this before, but for me, I was watching it and going, this mostly seems normal. Like it seems awkward, but maybe it's really awkward the first time you go to a gynecologist and he's sort of saying, scoot down, scoot down, scoot down. And it feels very kind of, this is just run of the mill for him. He sees 50 vaginas a day and it's not a big deal. For me, nothing felt off until... The bare hand. 
<laughs> but I would be interested to know for you watching that, where did, where's the off, where's the, the point where you go, uh oh. Absolutely. Him taking off his glove. And I think, um, you know, this film does so well in kind of highlighting some of, well, at least I can't speak for all women, but my fears, you know, of being woman, date rape. Some, by someone you really, really liked up until that moment, you know, abuse by, you know, a doctor, someone who's supposed to be trustworthy, you know, being abused by a family member as well. Like these are just all these horrible things that have been highlighted in this, you know, person's experience over what feels like what, just 48 hours. It's just gone from the height of purity to this, you know, every, everything terrible is happening to her. There is a question here because in many horror films, it's really quick to, it's really easy to go. That's the villain. That's the protagonist. I, I watch this one and I think while she's the person harming people, she's not the villain. Like she's the protagonist and it's the people who she harms. She's protecting herself from. Well, we, but we're also seeing that she's not harming them on purpose. Mm. She's discovering how her dentato actually work in the first place. So, you know, um, what is it? Toby's death accident. She didn't know that was going to happen. Um, the doctor. She didn't know. She didn't know what was going to happen with the doctor as well. Well, and that like that scene, I, I know it's meant to be funny in that, like his hand, like it's bitten onto it and he's trying to pull his hand out and she flips over and he's kind of run, like, it flinging it back really, and forth. Really, I wonder how they filmed it because, you know, his hand and her body movements were in sync. Yeah. So if she tried to, like, you know, swivel around the table, his hand was going with her. So it's very interesting how they, how they, I'd love to know how they filmed that scene. Yeah. yeah. And, like, early on in that appointment, he's like, oh, so you've never been to a gynecologist before. So you don't know what to expect. And that's, I think, when, you know, in his mind, he's like, great. Because a lot of people, at that age might go with with their parent or something. So there's, you know, always someone in the room, but nah, she had no one. And she couldn't have possibly expected that the doctor would try to take advantage like that. Mm. It was a very confronting scene to watch. I, I just, it's that moment where he starts putting a lube on his bare hand. And I just think, Oh my God, <laughs> like she's and just the, had a really bad experience. In yeah. And I think the gross part, you know, for everyone listening is he's like, all right, so I'm now just going to test your flexibility. And he ends up getting four of his fingers chomped off. And it was just like, what the fuck? It was just such a horrible moment. But again, you know, there have been cases of doctors, you know, taking advantage of women in, in their care. So it's unfor- an unfortunate reality. But, yeah. Oh. Well, and that that's the thing is this film is not, there is a fantasy element in terms of what's going on with her, but this film is not saying that the, like these are not things that are out of the question. And Mm. often for me, that's the scariest kind of horror. Like, you know, supernatural horror and jump scares. It's like, Oh, I had a jump scare, but that's kind of the end of it. Whereas this kind of horror, it kind of sticks with you because you just go, Oh my God, like the bad things that were happening to her are happening. Yep. In this world. Yep. So next, Toby's body is discovered because I think they found his penis first and then they were diving for the body. 
No, they found his body and they couldn't find his penis. Ah. Because I think maybe he'd been missing. I don't know. And so, yeah, they, fa- they found him at the bottom of the lake because she was looking for him as well. Mm. Calling his house, calling his cell, um, asking her friends. But, yeah, she didn't know he was dead. She thought maybe, I'm sure she's like, maybe he wasn't hiding. Yeah, because yeah. he did something awful and had his dick chopped off. <laughs> um, <laughs> the next, so she's freaking out. She gets home. Her mum has collapsed because we, we had found out her mum was sick. And right at the end of that particular scene, we see uh, Brad just off screen with his door open having sex with, I've already forgotten her name. Never even wrote her name down. <laughs> uh, I, I don't even know if they said it. I read it somewhere. It doesn't matter. His girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and they end up in hospital. Her mum's unwell and she's kind of, she's in a very bad place and she goes to the only place that she can think of, which is Ryan, who had been making eyes at her throughout the film, but had given her that ride back from the promise meeting. And clearly she was like, well, you know, this is a place to go. And she kind of tells him everything. And it's weird that, you know, why didn't she go to her so-called friends? And maybe there's that element of, you know, maybe shame and fear of telling your, your Christian folk that what's happened. And maybe this new person who seemed really nice and um, without any baggage felt more safe to her than her Christian friends, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah. Um, something I found interesting about this is he gives her something to calm her down, but essentially drugs her and gives her champagne. Like, I was watching that going, like, how this scene ended with him uh, and her having sex after he's, like, used that little vibrator on her and kind of tamed the teeth, as it were. And But she's drugged. So the first time I watched this, you know, I was like, oh, you know, he was he was a nice guy and he was non-rapey, great, blah, blah, blah. And then the second time around, I was like, wait a minute, did he? Yeah, he gave her something that made her feel fuzzy. Then he plied her with some shampers. And then there's a moment where he's like, oh, just rest here on my shoulder. And next minute, I almost thought, that, is she waking up to him fondling her? Or, or, because I was very confused by that. <laughs> yeah. Look, what ends up happening is they have sex and nothing bad happens to him. She emphatically um, consents, although I do think her defenses were down quite a bit because of alcohol and medication, yeah. Yeah. But the next morning, she's kind of feeling good about it. Until this is the thing, like, so I take what I, 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 I'm guessing he doesn't think it's real. Of course not. He's just, you know, making her feel accepted and heard because he's trying to get into her pants. Yeah. Because the next morning they're having sex again and his phone rings and he answers it. Just like, what? Why? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, uh, it, Maybe I was never a teenage boy, but the idea of doing that is just insane. <laughs> um, and 
to his his own detriment, he reveals that sleeping with her was a bet and he's just won and he's telling his friend on the phone. And I think it's my favourite kind of moment of this film where you hear the squelchy, crunchy penis butting sound and she goes, oh, shit. <laughs> Again, another accident. She didn't know this was going to happen. She actually didn't even know he was going to survive sex that night. Yeah. So this is <laughs> her just learning. And it's just interesting that, you know, she had opened up to him and then he used the information she provided him to kind of convince her that it's okay. Mm. She's like, cause you know, when, when, when she's like, no, we shouldn't have sex because you know, the, the, the teeth will get you. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm the hero. I'm the one who's going to conquer. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, it, it was all like, it was just nonsense on his part. But this is the only, you know, death or, you know, castration slash murder. We don't know if he dies. Oh, no, he, he um, doesn't die. There's a scene later where the doctor's reattaching his, his dick and he goes, it's, it hardly seems worth it. <laughs> Good. Okay. So he's not dead. But I thought this was one, he was the only one who I thought might not have deserved it. Because, for example, him giving her the the pills and the and the stampers, I don't know if he was consciously doing it because he's trying to weaken her defenses. I, I feel I actually think that maybe he was just an idiot and just doing it. And it seems as if his biggest crime was just being a, a bit of a jerk. Yeah, because you know she did consent. And I'm like, should he lose his dick for being a jerk? And maybe that's maybe why not. <laughs> maybe that's why the film has the doctors reattach it. <laughs> They're like, well, in this instance, we should we should show it being reattached. Although the because the, there's a scene with the gyno as well, and he's getting his fingers reattached. He's getting his fingers. And the doctor says, yeah. "You sure you don't want to tell don't want to tell us what happened?" And he just shakes <laughs> his head and he puts the gas on himself. It's like ages later. I'm like, those fingers aren't going to re like aren't going to reattach. Those nerves are, are gone. Yeah. So what happens next? Ah, I know what happens next. So after 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 Ryan, she returns to the hospital and her mum has died. And it, quite a a sad scene because you see the nurse crying, watching her, and it pans to her in bed in on the on the hospital bed, hugging her mother who's died, and it, it's really sad and i think something that's been quite interesting is this film is really dominated by what's happening to her and there's like life going on around her and it kind of it's so much shitty stuff is happening to her and i think it helps explain how we get to where we're about to get to uh because dad does try and kick brad out now that his wife has died and i as far as i understand brad is his kid so clearly his his wife was a, a moderate, moderating force in that sense that she was like, you know, you need to care for your children, even though he doesn't appreciate us and he's quite disrespectful. Uh, but Brad sicks his dog on his father, Mother, which is a terrible name for a dog. <laughs> uh, and and I, I guess is is showing that he's like not going to, take this kind of shit and he's going to, he's going to stick around as much as he wants. Well, absolutely. And as a, a, a disrespect to his stepmom as well, that I'm going to call this dog 
mother, maybe because these dogs are better than mother than you, or maybe because I think you're a bitch. It could be interpreted any kind of way. Yeah. Um, but it gives us this kind of everyone has to return to the hospital, and Dawn sees her dad. It's a very emotional scene. But Brad's girlfriend is there. Clea has driven him to the hospital and lets her know that Brad heard her mum screaming and told her to ignore it. And Dawn has this moment of realisation. There's like a close shot showing this kind of determination as she goes home. She puts on makeup. And I know this shouldn't be something I focus on, but it does not look good. <laughs> it's like barely made any difference to the makeup. It's just like <laughs> a like block of blue eyeshadow <laughs> and some lipstick. But I get it. She's not grown up putting on makeup. This is her first time, and it it's something that requires practice. And she goes in and seduces her brother. I love this. <laughs> yeah, that sounds terrible. Um, I love this part because this is the first time she's actually used her dentata deliberately for something that she wanted, which is, you know, she's upset at how he's completely disrespected her mom and her mom's life. And she holds him responsible for her death. And, and um, whether he deserves to die or not, regardless, this is the first time she's like, right, I, I've, I figured out how this works and this is what I'm going to do. And she just goes for it. So, yeah, absolutely love this moment of her actually coming into her power and doing something about her, her situation. Well, and the, that, that moment of realisation as Brad goes in. <laughs> You're watching me like, how do I say this? He, he, um, but he almost immediately kind of realises that or, or remembers from when he was a child, how he was bitten mm. and tries to get out. And she's like, no, nah. she grabs on and <laughs> make sure that her goal was successful. She has she clenched. She clenched. <laughs> <laughs> clenched. And who did the deed? And then, and then, like you, you, you go for it, David. Oh my god! Like this scene, <laughs> she gets up, steps back, spreads her legs, and the dick drops to the ground. And mother, in the world's least secure cage for a violent dog, gets out <laughs> and immediately picks it up. And he's like, "Mother, drop!" And she just chomps it down. That's <laughs> all around. <laughs> it's it. You know, the, the the whole film is building up particularly him as someone who deserves comeuppance. And as an audience, we see that comeuppance come through. Um, and then she leaves home. I guess <gasps> rather than facing the reality of, like, having to explain to everyone what she just did, she jumps on her bike and ends up hitchhiking. And... It ends, our final scene is she's fallen asleep in a car. It stops. The old man looks at her in the most creepy way. And when she tries to get out, he locks the door. And you have that moment of she's really empowered by who she is and what she can do. 
and she kind of she almost looks at the camera in this knowing way and then looks back to him and smiles and you just go I feel like this woman's now going to travel the world and bite the dicks off bad men and it's not such a bad thing (laughs) like this is the new superhero you know she's you know she's run away from home because as far as he knows he's killed three men and the police are potentially after her and you know her mom has died and she might feel completely alone and unable to like i guess reconcile with the life she's leaving behind and but you know again in her next step there's another man ready and waiting to try to take advantage of her but what i find a bit sad like a bit tragic is that like you know yes she's empowered but she also has to submit to her own defilement so that she can actually yes you know, use the detata. Yeah, so you know, it's, it's yeah. That's a really good point. Like she can't. Like she has to do something. You know, if we take her at the beginning of this movie talking about how precious this is to her, she has to give that to someone. God, I sound mm. like them. Um, every time she wants to use this thing that is a power for her. Yeah, it's, 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 it's disturbing in my mind that, unfortunately, it's like it's more of a weapon if people know it's there, but before she can use it, she has to be violated. Yeah. And that, I think, is so tragic. And I think um, like I, I feel like I see that playing out in the world and that, you know, you know, for like, you know, those those cases where a woman has like maybe killed her rapist, but she's the one sent to jail. Or if you report a rapist, it probably does more damage to your reputation and your future than it does to the rapist. So it's like, you know, in as much as you are empowered, you know, um, it highlights how you enact that power still hurts you at the same time. It's, yeah. it's just, yeah, it's. The, One yeah, tragic. Or- there's a great kind of imbalance in the world that, yeah, and yeah, it really personifies it. And I think that's what I loved about the the whole film, in, in that you know, even with the dentata, she's still vulnerable um, because people don't know that it's there. This like hidden secret power, and that I think you know, and in modern day times, like if with women had that, you know, when you think of you know, sex trafficking, Me Too, all that stuff, the whole world would completely change mm. if... If that was a reality. Yeah, yeah. that was a reality. So um, this film, I I think the concept is more horrifying than what you see play out on the, on the screen, and I think that's why I absolutely love, love it. Love this movie. That's really brilliant. Um. Before we wrap up, that's a few questions. So what what's the campus line or, or moment of the film in your eyes? Oh, look, um, I really don't know because I, <laughs> I, I, I will go back to that part to say, you know, there are no loopholes. There is no back door. Really? It's a very self-aware moment. Yeah, yeah. So that that made me giggle, and I can't remember what the, what exactly it was, but something Ryan said when they're having the discussion about you know 
how you know he made a bet and I don't know there was something he said when he was like when she was on top of him and he was just like hopping around I can't remember what it was but something about it made me laugh yeah he kind of like says you know you love it or something (laughs) I always knew you were you were you wanted it or something like that oh it's not quite that your mouth is saying one thing, but that sweet little pussy's That's a it. story. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Something oh. that, like, an 18-year-old boy would think is really sexy, but <laughs> it's just really not. It's really not. I'm really disturbing because, you know, you read about, you know, abusers saying, you know, saying to, you know, young girls, yeah, but your pussy got wet, so it's fine. Oh, yeah, it's like, oh, God. disgusting, so... Yeah. <laughs> well, with that, is, is there a scariest movement moment of this film? Ooh, the gynecological scene. Yeah, is is, is the worst. It was the the yeah. most disturbing of all the scenes. I think the the kind of the power imbalance and that kind of person in a position of authority really abusing it. Yeah, was pretty intense. Yeah, and so we have a thing called the camp scary scale. I, I may have asked you to review it. This is not a, a, a scale of, of value. Rather, it's a scale of, of classification. Um, so where, where do you think this movie lands? On Look, that? I'm picking my own, my own classification. I'm going to classify this as squee. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like squee sits somewhere in the camp. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, so for me, like if we were to give it a classification, I think it's, I would almost put it in the middle. It's like equally camp and scary in that, like there are some really scary kind of confronting moments in this film, but also it deals with them in a way that's kind of self-aware and encourages the audience to be like, this is ridiculous, but also it's making me think. Yeah. And something that, you know, you don't get a lot in horror, you know, horrors often doesn't give us this opportunity to think about the world like this and consider what if this what if this one thing became the reality Um, i agree i definitely (laughs) think you're spot on in the middle yes (laughs) thank you nari for joining me to talk about teeth it's been really fun and interesting and i think one of the most the most interesting and and deep conversations i've had on this podcast so far uh, for those of you at home, you can follow Camp Scary Squee on Instagram or Twitter by going to at Camp Scary Pod. If you have questions or suggestions, email campscarysquee at gmail.com and make sure to rate and review Camp Scary and Squee so other horror fans can find us. Thank you for joining us and remember, don't scream. They'll hear you. My guest today loves her horrors to come with strong mystery and intrigue, a solid investigation by rational protagonists, and a consistent mytholo- <laughs> So close. <laughs>